I love that bumper so much, it's now my new ringtone. So if you call me, it's just like, do, 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 do. I won't answer for a while because I just want to hear the whole thing. So just, just so you know. Hey, years ago, uh, out of Pepperdine, where my wife and I used to live and work, uh, before we had children of our own, uh, we were babysitting for some of our closest friends. And uh, their oldest daughter was named AJ. She was this super spunky uh, little daredevil of a five-year-old at the time. And uh, we were playing at the park that was closest to our house. You know anything about Southern California, Pepperdine in particular? It's very hilly. So they had this huge slide at the park. It was built into this steep hillside, about 100 feet long. And she wanted to go down the slide. I thought, okay, okay, we can go down the slide. So I I put her on my lap and and we we went down. And we were going so fast, some little punk teenager, I'm sure, put some olive oil or baby oil or whatever it was on the slide. We were flying down this thing. And uh, and you ever had that feeling where you just realize you're not going to stop? Like the the, the slide's going to come to an end, but you're not. And sure enough, I just kept going off the slide about five or ten feet on my backside holding AJ. And the dust settled. And I, I was pretty proud of myself. I was like, that was very brave of me to hold on to you during this as opposed to like, every man for himself. AJ turns to me and was like, that was awesome. Let's do it again. But this time, she says, you go down on your belly and I'll ride on your back. I look at her and I'm like, no chance, kid. I mean, I'm still wiping off my gluteus maximus. And she turns to me, I kid you not, in the sternest, meanest voice I've ever heard. And she says, grown-ups aren't supposed to be scared, Thomas. So guess what happened next? I went down the slide on my stomach with AJ on my back, and that's how I got this scar right here. I just can never forget that line, though. Grown-ups aren't supposed to be scared, Thomas. Well, little AJ, I hate to break it to you, but most of them are. I mean, fear is so present, is it not, in so many of our lives. And it's easy, it's easy to see why. They're talking layoffs at work, slowdowns in the economy, flare-ups in the Middle East, uh, downturns in the housing market everywhere but but Denver, uh, upswings in global warming, breakouts of Al-Qaeda, the threat of nuclear war, the increase of mass shootings, an upturn of police violence, political feuds, natural disasters. There are a lot of reasons to be afraid, AJ. There's a ton of reasons to be afraid. And more and more reasons pop up, it looks like, or seems like every single day. How many of you heard about the false alarm that rocked Hawaii a few months ago? Uh, On January 13th, an emergency alert went out to everyone in the state via radio, TV, email, and text. And the text looked something like this. Imagine, Imagine getting this on your phone. Emergency alert, ballistic missile threat, inbound to Hawaii. Seek immediate shelter. This is not a drill. This went out to everyone in the state, both resident and tourist alike. Turns out uh, the guy who was uh, in charge of this button didn't realize they were running a drill and pushed the test button or pushed the real button, the alert button, instead of the test button and sent the entire state into a sheer state of panic. That's what I call a bad day at work. (laughs) And it makes my bad days, they don't look so bad anymore, right? Well, at least I didn't scare an entire state. But people were running for cover, crying hysterically, calling loved ones. I mean, how scary would that be to receive that text? There are not many things that can ruin a vacation in Hawaii. 
Uh, one of them is if you forget to put sunscreen on this little strip of your back on the first day of your honeymoon until the next seven days are complete misery, I've heard that's one thing that can wreck a Hawaiian vacation. But a second thing that can ruin a Hawaiian vacation is receiving this text while on the beach. And that's exactly what happened. Everybody was so scared and for good reason. But there are a lot of reasons that all of us are scared. And whether we realize it or not, fear cripples and controls most of us, more of us than we'd probably like to admit to. Now, don't get me wrong. It's not a sin. It's not sinful to be afraid. I mean, like everything God made, fear is very good when it, when it functions according to its intended purposes. Um, fear is designed to keep us safe. It's designed to keep us away from, from dangerous things, right? Fear is that which keeps you from sticking your hand in the tarantula's cage. Uh, fear keeps you from walking down a dark alley in a scary city, right, late at night. Fear keeps you from eating a large Oreo cookie shake at Chick-fil-A every single day. I mean, they're closed on Sunday, so you can't do it every single day, Right? But fear keeps us from things that we, that we shouldn't do, that are bad for us. But sin and Satan, as they do with most good things, all good things, in fact, they twist fear, they distort fear, they pervert fear. So what happens is we start to fear when we shouldn't, and we start to fear things that we shouldn't. They make it so that fear doesn't keep us safe or secure, it just makes us scared, and this scared feeling that's deep inside of us, it cripples many of us. It paralyzes many of us. Truth be told, fear has a way of creeping into our decisions, our moods, our marriages, our parenting, our, our giving. And we shouldn't be afraid of that fear. What it does, it, it makes us afraid of things that we should not be afraid of at all. And, and it takes away the fear of things that we really should have and be afraid of. All oh, fear is, is an ugly thing. It can move from a good thing, which it's supposed to be, God intended it to be, to a giant kind of thing. It can move from a good thing to a giant kind of thing. That's what we're talking about right now in this series, Overcome the Giants in Our Lives, uh, those things that stand in front of us and before us, robbing us of the life that God intended. And maybe that word fear isn't re resonating with you right now. You're like, oh, I'm not a clock out. I'm not afraid. I'm not, a, I'm not a scaredy cat. Well, fear goes by a lot of different words, takes on a lot of different forms. Maybe words like anxiety or worry or angst or stress or nervousness or dread. Maybe those are more appropriate for you, but call them what you want. It's all the same. It's a scary, hairy, 10-foot giant standing in your way, just like it was standing in God's people's way in First Samuel 17. This giant of fear is standing on the hillside and he's taunting you and he's teasing you and he's talking trash to you. And day after day after day, it comes into your life and it struts around making these bold claims that you are too weak and too small and too insignificant to overcome it. The giant says, it's only a matter of time. You know this, right? It's only a matter of time before you lose your health or lose your job or lose your children or lose your parents or lose your pension or lose your mind. We all know it. It's only a matter of time before your world comes crashing down and you better be afraid of it. You better be very afraid of it. A text about a missile uh, is one thing, but what kind of text could you receive today that would send you into an absolute panic? Would it be a message from your doctor? A message from your attorney? A message from your kids, your parents, your ex? 
I imagine every single one of us could receive a single text and our world would crumble. We would be so overcome by fear in that moment because of one little message. That's because fear is right there at all of our doorsteps. Author Max Lucado said it this way, we sophisticate and diversify investment plans. We create and install elaborate security systems. We legislate and budget for a stronger military and we still take more anxiety pills at night than any other country or generation in human history. You know why? Because we're afraid. We're so afraid. But here's the thing, my friends. Uh, fear, it's a liar. Fear is a fibber, a fake, a, a fabricator, a falsifier. And I love how many F words are out there to describe fear. But it lies to you. Fear is based entirely on lies. In fact, it cannot survive if and when you know the truth. A song recently came out by singer-songwriter Zach Williams entitled, Fear is a Liar. Maybe you've heard it. Uh, listen to the first few minutes of it. Check this out. told you you're not good enough when he told you you're not right when he told you you're not strong enough to put up a good fight when he told you you're not worthy when he told you you're not loved when he told you you're not beautiful you'll never be enough when someone lies to me. It could be a salesperson who claims that the new deal is 40 bucks and then when I get the bill and it's fees and taxes and surcharges, it's 4,000 bucks. It could be a child who disobeys in some way, right? And yet adamantly denies it right to your face. Like, I, I just saw you do it. I'm speaking hypothetically here. I'm a pastor. My kids are perfect. So I don't know what that feels like. But friends have told me. Uh, it could be a politician who breaks a promise, an athlete who says, I'd never take performance-enhancing drugs, only the very next night to be on SportsCenter, guilty of failing his drug test. I just hate, I hate when someone lies to me. And yet every single day, many of us are not only being lied to by fear, we're actually starting to believe the lies. We're starting to believe that fear is telling us the truth, when nothing could be further from the truth. Let me show you. Uh, many of us have come to believe that, that the antidote to fear is more control. Right? We think, if I can just monitor my house and my belongings and my storage unit 24-7, if I can just watch the stock market every single minute of every single day and move my funds around in just the right order at just the right time, 
If I can just get a bigger dog or more guns, if I can just get the kids into that private school where I know the teachers and I know the curriculum that they're going to teach, if I can just count the carbs or take the pills or follow the doctor's orders just right, then I know I'll make it through whatever it is. I know I'll be safe. Fear turns a lot of people into control freaks. Met anybody like that before? who's so afraid of things, and they try to control their entire world. Well, what happens to someone like that? Well, they realize painfully sometimes there's a lot of things in this world you can't control. And so when you start to lose control, you start to grasp for more of it, you start to become even more afraid. The antidote to fear is not control, not at all. Many of us believe that the antidote to fear is more knowledge, How many of you, after feeling sick or getting a certain diagnosis, immediately went home and Google searched it? Come on, go ahead, put your hands up. Why do we do that? It's because we think we can overcome fear through knowledge. If I just know everything that can go wrong, if I just know the numbers and the percentages and my odds, if I can just lay out the different probabilities and think through all the different possibilities, then I won't be so afraid. Really? How many of you, after doing that little Google search, were even more freaked out because of what you saw on the internet? More knowledge doesn't help you overcome fear. That's a lie. Church, mark it down. The ways that most of us try to overcome our fears, more often than not, just adds to our fears. And fear loves that because fear perpetuates and breeds and births more of itself And so it loves fear, the giant of fear in your life loves that you are doing things that just add to its strength. Go ahead, try to take control of your life. Go ahead, try to know everything there is to know out there about this problem. Good luck with that. You're going to be more afraid at the end of the day than when you started. When you try to overcome fears in those ways or maybe other ways, you know what you're doing? You're more or less just acting like David in the story of David and Goliath. You are taking on the role of the giant slayer. You are saying, I have what it takes, and it's my responsibility, and it's up to me to overcome this giant. My skill and my charisma and my talent and my whatever is what's necessary right now. So I'm going to go in and I'm going to slay the giant of fear. But if you haven't been a part of the series yet, one thing we're going to say every single week, you are not David in this story. You do not slay the giant. You are like the men on the hillside that have been sitting there for 40 days, scared out of their boots. We're powerless against this giant. We need someone else to come. And that someone is is Jesus. See, the antidote to fear is faith. Listen to John 14, 1. Do not let your hearts be troubled, Jesus says. Do not be scared. Do not be dismayed. Do not be worried, he says. Believe. Believe in God. Believe also in me. You see, you overcome your worries and your worst case scenario through worship. You overcome dread through devotion. You overcome burdens through belief. And the giant of fear doesn't want you to think that. He wants you to see this verse. That's too simple. That's too easy. Just believe and suddenly the giant of fear is gone. No, 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 no. You need to take control. You need to to muster up some more courage. You need to go do a Google search. Jesus says, no, just believe. The antidote to your fears, all of your fears in this life, is faith. You see, fear 
is more or less a form of unbelief. When you're afraid of something, you are more or less thinking or saying or acting out, I I don't believe that God could or will dot, dot, dot. I don't think that good could ever come out of dot, dot, dot. I don't see how this situation could ever change in such a way where I'm okay and dot, dot, dot. It's a form of unbelief. I don't think, I don't believe, I don't see how it's going to happen. So then I'm afraid of what I think will happen. That's what Jesus said. Do not be filled with fear. Instead, take hold of faith. Be filled with faith. Faith is the only thing that undermines your fears. Nothing else will do. And that's why God is constantly drilling this point home. That's why he's constantly calling fear out of us and calling us out of fear. See, the command to love God and love others, it's pretty important around here. And we have it on the stage in ginormous lettering, right? We say it all the time. We put it on all different uh, um, writings that we put out there, website, whatever. Jesus said, love God, love others throughout the gospels eight times. Pretty significant, eight times. Seems like a pretty big deal to Jesus. Okay, we get it. The command to fear not or to not be afraid is mentioned throughout the scripture 125 times. 125 times. I wonder if God's people started rolling their eyes at God after a while because he kept saying, kind of like a teenager, after mom says the same thing over and over and over again, eat your vegetables, pick up your room, do your homework, and don't be afraid. Like, Jesus, we get it. Oh, stop it. If Jesus had text, he probably texted, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid, right? Like a little emoji, non-fear face. I'm not sure which one that would be, but I'm sure it's there. Like, like we get it, Jesus. Stop saying it so many times. I, don't, I just don't think we get it. I think it gets us a lot. It gets us all worked up. It gets us all stressed out. It gets us all tense and so tight. And again, it's because it's based on lies. There are certain foundational falsehoods that fear is based on. I want to share them with you this morning. Fear wants you to think at the end of the day, these five things are true. One, you are on your own. Two, no one really sees or cares about you. Three, you don't have the strength or the wherewithal to make it through whatever's coming down the pipe. Four, no one and nothing can help you or will make things better. And five, the worst thing you can imagine happening is going to happen, and it's going to be worse than you can imagine. Let me say them again, because these are the five foundational falsehoods of fears. Everything you are afraid of is based on one of these lies. You are on your own. No one sees you or cares about you. You don't have the strength or the wherewithal to make it through. No one and nothing will make things better. And the worst thing you can imagine, it's going to happen, and it's going to be way worse than you can imagine. Those are fears go-tos. Those are those trump cards, right? Bam! Oh, yeah, you think you're doing pretty well today. You're not so scared of things. I'm going to just lay one of these lies back on the table, and suddenly you're so afraid again. You will have to deal with the very worst things in this life completely on your own because nobody sees you or cares about you. You're too helpless and hopeless to get through whatever it's about to happen. Oh, wow. We know those falsehoods, don't we? We believe them. Many of us, we don't say it out loud, but we we believe it. You're so right, fear. You're so right. I'm on my own. I'm not going to make it through. No one's going to come to my rescue. It's going to be just horrible. Whatever it is that happens to me, we just say you're right. The Bible says no. Those aren't right at all. Nothing is right about those five lies, especially according to Isaiah 41, 10. 
That's the verse we're going to dive into this morning, just for a few minutes. Because this one verse stands up and says, shut your mouth, fear. Those are such lies from the pit of hell. There is nothing true about those at all. Isaiah 41.10 says this, fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. How do you overcome fear? How do you overcome worry? How do you overcome stress? How do you overcome dread? You believe. You believe in the God who spoke these promises. You believe that that fearlessness is possible because one, God is with you. Fear not, he says, for I am with you. You are not alone in any moment or any situation or any difficulty or any trial. The great God of the universe is right there with you. I'm not talking about the company of a great counselor or, or, the, or the most feared lawyer in town. I'm not talking about a, a neat pastor being there next to you or the best doctor that money can buy. In your presence, there with you is the God of the heavens and the earth. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is with you. The God who parted the Red Sea is with you. The God who paved the way into the promised land and overcame all of the giants in that land, he is with you. The God who raised Jesus from the dead is with you. And that God is with you, the psalmist says, when you rise in the morning, when you go to sleep at night. That God is with you when you rise to the highest mountain peaks or when you go into the darkest, deepest valleys. That God is always right there with you. What did David say? Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because Google gave me all the answers? I will fear no evil because I got my little world in control. And we live in a, in a little gated community, private school. Nothing bad is going to happen to us. Is that what David said? No. Why does he fear no evil? For you are with me. That's it. The only reason I'm not afraid, even walking into death, is because God is with me. That's all I need. You're with me. And this great God, this great strong God, he's going to strengthen you. He's going to give you great strength. See, on your own, you just don't have what it takes. On your own, you are going to crumble and fall. On your own, you are too weak to handle whatever's coming. You are going to run out of ideas, run out of time, run out of options. But the God who never grows tired or weary, the God who never sleeps, the Bible says, that God who holds everything together, who knit you together, he's going to give you his supernatural strength. He will give you the power and the resolve and the energy and the fortitude to make it through whatever comes your way. Nothing is too hard for our God. That's why he doesn't freak out when Eve eats the fruit or when Joseph's brothers sell him into slavery, or when the waves start capsizing the boat, or when the, when the stone is rolled over the tomb. Why doesn't God ever freak out? Because nothing's too hard for him. When I know I can handle it, I'm not panicked. One of my favorite movies is The Count of Monte Cristo. And in that movie, there's a line where he says, you go ahead and you do your worst, because when you're done, I will do Mine. Oh, I want to watch on the big screen now. Like, yes. (laughs) Do your worst, fear. That's what God says. Do your worst. Because when you're done, when you're done, I'm going to do mine. God never freaks out. Because God is strong enough to handle it all. 
And that God says, I will give you the strength to handle it all. No matter what comes your way, I will give you the strength to deal with it. Do not panic. Do not fear. Do not fret. I will give you the strength you need. 1 Corinthians 1.25 says this, the weakness of God is stronger than all human strength. The weakness of God. You ever met somebody who's so smart, you're like, you have literally forgotten everything I've learned in my whole life. That make any sense at all? Like the person is so smart, the things they kind of like thought were nothing, that's like, that, that's my whole brain right there. God says, I'm so strong. Even in my weakest moment, when I'm having an off day, when my muscles are all ripped, when I wake up with a little allergy, headache, or whatever it is, even when I'm weak, God says, I'm so much stronger than you. At your best, at your worst, fear, I'm so much stronger, even in my weakest moment. So what about when God is at his strongest moment? How strong is he then? And that great God, that strong God promises to give you strength. Not only does he promise to strengthen you, but he also promises to help you. I love Isaiah 41.10, to hold you up, it says. See, fear has a way of pushing us down, of pushing us back. Unlike anything else, it has a way of causing us to shrink back, to kind of ball up. I had a sleepover for my 10th birthday uh, back in Albuquerque where I was born and raised. Uh, it was 10 junior high guys or fourth or fifth grade guys, I forget. We thought we were so tough, right? Well, we watched that night together on my parents' couch, Arachnophobia. Anybody watch that, that just amazing, life-changing flick right there? Well, there's a scene. I don't encourage you to go watch it because it's ridiculous, but there's a woman taking a shower. She reaches back to wash her hair, and there's a cobweb in the, sp in, in the shower. I'm still like scared. I'm like sweating right now. And 10 junior high boys were in one little pile in the corner of my parents' couch, screaming like wild hyenas. My dad still laughs at me for that moment. But that's what fear does. And real things, unlike 10 foot spiders in your shower, Real scary things, they're no laughing matter, but they, they force us down, they push us back. And God says, you know what? Nothing that comes against you will do that. Why? Because I will hold you up. I will take you out of the fetal position on your parents' couch and I will stand you upright. I will hold you up. You will not fall down. You will not cringe back. You will not be overcome. I will hold you up, he says. And he ends the verse with these words, with my victorious right hand. Let me just tell you this real fast, and we'll end there. Your fears, even if they all came true, do not win. Your fears, even if they all came to fruition, are not the end of the story. Your fears, even if they all happened at the exact same time, they are not the end of the story. They will not defeat you. God is the victorious one, and it's his mighty right hand, his victorious hand, that you have the courage you need to get through your worst fears. See, God won the victory over every single one of your fears the moment he died on the cross and rose from the dead. There is nothing you should be afraid of now. What you gonna do, kill me? Go ahead, then I can go home. That's how the disciples were so bold and so courageous. It's not because they suddenly had, uh, I don't know, some sort of eye-opening moment where it's like, you guys, we can, we can actually do this. So we band together, their strength in numbers, the 12 of us, the 100 of us, we could probably take on Jerusalem. 
Now they suddenly realize, the worst you can do to me is actually good for me. See how that's flipped on its head? Fear wants you to think the worst it can do to you is totally going to destroy you. But a Christian says, the worst you can do to me is for my good. Booyah! (laughs) Your lot is secure. Your inheritance is safe. Your eternity is set. Your lot is secure. Your inheritance is safe. Your eternity is set. God's victorious right hand is how you will gain victory over anything and everything in this world. So Isaiah 41.10, God says this, I am the God who is over you. I am the God who is by you. I am the God who will strengthen you from the inside. I am the protection that's all around you, and I'm the foundation and victory underneath you. I am over you. I am by you. I am inside of you. I'm around you, and I'm underneath you. Eat that fear. (laughs) I'm not alone. There is someone who sees me and who cares. I am strong enough to get through because God will give me his strength. Someone will protect me and make things better if it all goes wrong. And nothing will ever hold me down. Ever. It's only when you believe that to be true that you overcome your fear. No more more Google search, okay? No more trying to control your things and add to your security system and buy more guns and, and make your little world more... No, 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 just stop, just stop. It's just through faith. You have to believe that God is over you, by you, inside of you, around you, and underneath you. It's only when you believe that. I'm gonna invite the band to come on up. It's only when you believe that to be true that you will say these words, Psalm 34, 4, say them out loud with me and say them like you believe them to be true. I sought the Lord and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. Again, I sought the Lord and he answered me and he delivered me from all my fears. A powerful way to manifest these truths is in and through communion. So we're gonna take a few minutes to take communion together this morning. This is a, a small little meal, a celebratory meal, a commemorative meal where we say, Lord, you are with us. The broken body of Jesus is with us and the blood of Jesus is with us. It's in us, it's around us, it's underneath us. So take the elements over the next 10 minutes or so. Uh, Take them at the table here. There's five or six stations down below, a few up top. Or take them back to your seat. We can take them together at the end. But take these elements and say, God, you are with me, over me, next to me, in me, under me, all around me, God. You are the one who helps me overcome all my fears. Seek the Lord this morning. Seek him out. He will answer you and he will deliver you from all your fears. Let me pray for us. And then again, over the next 10 minutes or so, make your way to the stations and enjoy the elements. God, we thank you for being an incredible God. A God who promises in Isaiah 41.10 that you are with us. You are for us. You are in us. You are all around us. You will strengthen us. You are literally underneath us, God. Fear is trying to undermine all of those promises. And so many in this room right now have believed the falsehoods of fear. And they've believed them for far too long. And so this morning we say no more. We claim the promises of Isaiah 41.10 over every person in this room. We have nothing to fear. Nothing to be afraid of. We should not be dismayed. 
because you are our God. And in you, we can do it all. Through you, we can do it all, God. So help us this morning to take these elements and to realize this is the culmination of that promise. This is the the fullness of Isaiah 41.10. You, our God, with us, in us, around us, strengthening us, nourishing us, loving us. Thank you. Thank you for being who you are. There is no other God we would ever serve besides you. Help us to enjoy some time with you now. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.